welcome everyone for this roundtable about the future of work in the year 2025, specifically on new technologies that will shape the future of work by the year 2025. This roundtable is part of our ongoing simulation about the future of work in the year 2025, Wikistrat and Accenture, which is currently ongoing. With me here today, we have three distinguished guests. All of them are experts in the field that are relevant and very unique to the future of work. The first one is Dr. Kelly Monhan. She is an organizational behaviorist and she studies the future of workforce at Accenture Research. In 2018, Kelly released her first book, How Behavioral Economics Influences Management Decision-Making, A New Paradigm. So she's her first guest. The second distinguished guest that we have is Steve Rader, who is the founder of Crowd Research Consulting, who has 32 years of experience at NASA, with the last eight years of those with agencies' open innovation efforts, with the NASA open innovation efforts that they have. And last but not least is the distinguished guest, Somaya Sen, who is, the, who is a digital HR transformation and people analytics leader with over 18 years of experience in advisory and is also the author of another book, which is our digital HR strategy, which he has released not so long ago. So welcome everyone. It's great to have you on board. And Today, I want to start with a general question, and I want to start actually with you, Kelly, and then we'll go to Steve and then to, to Somaya. So the first question I have is essentially, how did the COVID pandemic impact the adaptation and use of technology in the workplace? Yeah, thank you so much, Warren. It's so great to be here and um, very humbled to be amongst this uh, group of panelists today. You know, it's been interesting. Right after the pandemic hit, we started going out with survey data at Accenture Research, trying to understand how ready organizations were for this profound shift of remote work, which I know sounds so silly today, but according to our research, 90% of people before the pandemic were still regularly reporting on site, whether that was driving a truck, going into an office, at a retail location, in a hospital. So the majority of our paradigm around what it means to be a worker was some sort of physical location. So I can't underestimate um, or overestimate the, the profound shift that we've had just from a human behavior perspective of now trusting people to work from home. And that's only possible because of digital technologies. But what we found when we went a couple months into the pandemic with our survey data, we looked at over 5,400 global workers. Here's what we found. Companies made it, were able to make this digital acceleration we talked to CIOs, they told us we had 18 month digital transformation roadmaps. We executed them over the weekend. Now, in some cases that meant employees actually taking desktop computers and actually putting them into their homes. So not necessarily all emergent technology, but we were able to make it work. But what we saw happen in our data is that people were struggling using the technologies at home. About a third of the workforce we surveyed said they were having regular issues with adapting to the new technology, self-servicing themselves. They missed being able to walk down to ITs. And so what we see today is as we talk about this, you know, return to work, if you will, conversation that's happening, the number one reason we're seeing in our survey data today that people want to go back to an office or back on site is access to technology. And so I think we're at this really interesting crossroads that we've got all this emergent technology that I know we're going to be talking about today come up, but yet we're still trying to get some of the basics in terms of having a hybrid experience, being as connected and as intelligent when we're in the office with technology as we are remote. And I still actually think we've got a ways to go for the majority of companies and businesses. And, and so those are some of the profound shifts that we've been seeing here at Accenture. And Steve, what what are your two cents into that? What is your what are your thoughts about this topic? Yeah, well, uh, 
First, thanks for having me on. This is great. I love this conversation. You know, the, the World Economic Forum came out with a report last fall, which said 84% of uh, companies were accelerating their digitization because of, of what's going on with COVID. 83% were sc scaling remote work and 50% were accelerating their automation. I, I think what we're seeing is that a lot of that work that was already behind, right? The digital transformation work that was really trends that were already facing companies were really amplified in terms of how they were needed to respond to the resilience needed for COVID. And so every, every one of those programs suddenly got front and center as companies scrambled to not only use their remote workers, but a lot of companies needed now digital ways to talk to their customers, right? Restaurants all went digital almost overnight and in, in integrated with delivery companies. So a lot of that happened because of COVID, but I would say all of those trends were already there. And then on top of that, a lot of things I talk about are the the shift in the workforce that, that's been happening now for several years, where full-time workers are migrating for some reason into the gig economy and the freelance economy. And there's lots of reasons for that, but this obviously was a big boost to that because a lot of companies had to lay off. A lot of companies had to, to have fewer hours for folks and people were already, you know, something like a third of workers already had side gigs. And so there was suddenly this need to make some extra money to get on those platforms. Not all of those people are going to go back to full-time work. And so it just accelerated that migration that's happening as well. So I think all of those kind of swirl together uh, very much resonate with everything Kelly said that this is it's just happening and it's it's speeding everything up. Now, so Maya, you you're a digital HR and transformation uh, experts. How do you see this? How do you see this question and the the impact that the pandemic had on the ad adaptation and use of technology in the workplace? Yes, sure. I think the first of all, like Kelly and Steve mentioned, really good insight and some from the research and what's happening, which is totally true. Because I can tell you, like, and from my experience, because I involved with a lot of big organizations in the transformation, in their transformation for the last many years, especially with the pandemic, we have seen many of those organizations fail really challenged because most of us, most of those organizations are not ready for this pandemic. And this is really uncertain and ready in terms of digitalization because the infrastructure are not appropriate, they're heterogeneous, they have not a culture of really working remote, you know, and, and those are really big challenge. And, you know, like even the companies spend a huge amount of money and really done with um, making the communication platforms or the collaborating platform ready for the employees in the workforce. But in most of the cases, I think the research already told doesn't fit. And the reason because is that like, you know, like, implementing a new technology or using a new technology to the users is actually useless until really embrace a new digital culture to them right and that's missing somewhere we have seen in many of these organizations you know so the behaviors of the employees and the workforce the leaders how it works their question about trust and others so all these things are continuously impacting on the organizations overall the leaders the workforce and that's why there is a, always an, uh, we have seen that there's a need or a demand creating for a hybrid culture, like people don't want to work fully remotely or directly like full full time also in the office. And that's definitely uh, impacting the organization in different forms and new models coming around. You know, I see like here the digital adoptions, which actually we use it uh, for many transformation projects before as well, before the pandemic. 
which is actually the reform of the internal process practices and the behaviors actually to adapt with the changes coming from the technologies because that's very important it's not only that uh, you implement a technology and do a training and the workforce uh, or the people are start using that in, in a very efficient way it doesn't work so that's very important so adoption is definitely a big key for today and so my i think kind of a follow-up question that naturally fits into what you were basically describing. Which technologies do you think will gain prominence in the future work? What technologies should we pay attention to? I think there are many, like many of the technologies are using currently, we are using, the organizations are using for their workforce, we are using also, also in our personal front. But if you see the trends also and the users, I think the, the cloud platforms, you know, especially the platform as a service or software as a service has a huge increase. And uh, most of the organizations are moving towards cloud, you know, keeping their on-premise systems out. And when I say like that, I'm mainly meaning to their assistance, which used by the employees, you know, for their self-services or managers of services or the platform to communicate. So all those are in, like re relatively changing, you know, towards a new platform. And this also includes the, like the platforms related to collaboration tools or communication tools. We have seen like there's a huge transformation happened to the, uh, the Microsoft team. What they are offering right today is not only a, a um, platform to just have a video call or chat, it's integrated to the whole environment, to the email, to your, to your communication to other, how you collaborate between different teams. It's, it's actually give you actually a network chart about how you collaborate between different teams, what's your like, efficiency in terms of communication, what's efficiency in terms of managing different uh, subjects and topics. So this is definitely a huge, important technology which is already in place. But we have also seen that there are a lot of adoptions of AI-based technologies, you know, including robotic process automations in the area of recruitment or learning, or or even the very small productive productivity tools. You know, we have seen a continuously improving. And the, the main target is not actually like um, to replacing someone or replacing a job, rather to how we can increase the productivity, right? So that's the major, I think, the major important aspect to, uh, to consider when we talk about AI technologies. But being into people analytics area as well, I would also say like uh, that's it. Uh, this field is tremendously grown for the last 10 years. Like I'm into this area, like people analytics, when it's not new to most of the organization, I've seen a tremendous growth because uh, data is the key today for like they call like people call data the new oil, right? And especially like data related to the workforce, people, and how it can impact the business in terms of whether talent acquisitions, retentions, or the development on the whole talent cycle, it's really impacting organizations and business data today. And the people analytics capabilities with um, like, again, the advanced use of machine learnings and predictive models, this is really growing on that part. And another aspiring tool coming out of people analytics is organization network analysis. This is also like it's growing hugely because we have seen like a lot of number of use cases by the organization getting when they're using those type of tools, you know, in terms of finding the bottlenecks, where are the, why the collaboration is not working, uh, where are the best change agents uh, in our network. Uh, where is the, where we are lacking the innovation, how we can build up an agile team. So these questions can be really, really answers uh, for the organizations when we use, can use these tools. And definitely we need a proper data uh, and governance in the, uh, into the practice for sure. But these are the, some tools which are really already impacting them in organizations. 
and we can and there are definitely more steve i wanted to ask you what kind of technologies should we be paying attention what do you think will be the technologies that will gain the prominence in the future work yeah well i mean i just want to echo what what you said on on ai and and digital platforms i think those are hugely impressive uh technology that are really going to make a difference in fact competing in the age of ai is a book that the creamlick and markman city just put out from harvard and it's it really lays out the case studies of Ant Financial and, you know, Ocado and other companies that have taken that digital native, you know, ground up approach for gathering that data that we talked about to integrating with Internet of Things to recording digital exhaust and really turning that into a factory of producing and improving algorithms that, that start to make the business process way more efficient. The, the thing I think is really interesting on that topic is going to be matching platforms. Those platforms that, that, for instance, match workers to work and do that much, much better than HR systems have ever done. So really capturing that digital exhaust, upskilling people, really working out the digital trust and privacy mechanisms with blockchain and, and new technologies there, and starting to create platforms that really are good stewards of workers, but are also really good at bringing the right talent to bear or problem, including high-performing teams and the ability to assemble those really quickly, all while kind of building an ecosystem of trust and, and you know, relationship, which is that kind of personal layer that folks think that AI can't really help you with, but it really can. I think some of the examples of early work there is the Nudge AI that, that Humu and Noom have come up with that kind of work in the background to kind of nudge your behaviors. And I think those will become prominent and then some really interesting technologies that I am watching because I think they just have some super capability, but they're also pretty out there is the, the distributed autonomous organizations, so the DAOs, uh, which are kind of blockchain-based organizations that have this kind of shared value concept behind them. There are now templates out there. People are building those. It's kind of related to the NFT work that, that folks have seen high profile of and the way blockchain could start to redefine the value compensation models where you know we're, we're kind of still stuck in that paying people by the hour and, and putting value in kind of their hour and there's a lot of false value there and some of these newer models start to really get behind a, a much more integrated data driven system there and in fact in the music industry there's already some you know native platforms for producing music that that start to build in that compensation model with smart contracts and the rest. So I think IP is about to go through a big transformation here. K Kelly, you, you heard both Samaya and both Steve. It's very interesting in terms of the technologies that they basically pointed at and which one will be gaining prominence and which one we should be paying attention. What are your thoughts about this? Yeah, no, I think what Samaya and Steve pointed out is just great insights and something to think about. The way that I'm looking at this, again, with my background being a bit more from a human behavior side, is looking at it, what the two trends we're looking at is what technologies are making us more intelligent, which both Samai and Steve have pointed to, and then also what makes us connected, especially in a hybrid environment. And so again, what we've already talked about from an intelligence perspective, it's that AI plus cloud that is allowing us to have these nudges to make us smarter. We know from behavioral economics that we're not great at managing our time. We're not gonna be these great 
people who optimize productivity on our own. And so the more that we can use technology in a way that actually makes us smarter about who we are and who we are at work and how many people we interact with, are we experiencing collaboration overload? You know, I think those technologies are certainly mainstream today and will continue to, to grow in importance, especially for office type workers. Then the one technology I would say that we're watching closely too from a connected side that I'm not sure I heard mentioned yet was really augmented in virtual reality trying to understand how do we create especially in hybrid cultures and a lot of this is being driven by also just a sense of equality and inclusion how do we make sure people feel seen and heard when they're physically not in the room and how do we make sure that as people return back to work and some people um, continue on at home or remotely that we are able to actually have productive conversations and collaborate and innovate in ways that we've all been in the you know conference call where the one person's on you know on the phone and everyone else is in person and that just becomes awkward and frustrating and so how do we make that more seamless and it reminds me of a book that actually linda grattan wrote back in 2011 on the future of work and she had a scenario of um, a doctor being able to come in through an avatar in a patient's room and i think one of the things that was missing to actually make that scenario real during that time was really 5g technologies and connections as well so that's just the other thing that we're watching is how much that's going to enable more precise connectedness amongst both technologies, but more importantly, amongst us as humans, as we um, continue to work in this distributed environment. So those would be the two things I would add. Now, Kelly, kind of following up. And I'm sorry, Steve, did you want to say something? I was just going to add on one thing that because I totally uh, agree with Kelly there is there is also this underlying increase in capacity in computing and communication that a lot of people don't realize is starting to thread together to kind of create a massive amount of computing capability along with the quantum uh, computing stuff that's coming that really you know all this AI is coming online just at the time as the underlying technologies are going to allow for a lot more capability so that the the, the possibility of a surge there in the next five to ten years is really underrated when you consider kind of all the forces at play so just now kelly steve and, and you and samaya you all mentioned some of those great technologies that are being used um for different purposes if it's between communicating people communicating between people if it's to organize the best team using data analytics but one of the I would say the hottest topics today that we have and it's been it's definitely been discussed quite a lot also in the simulation it's the whole idea about or the whole clash between working from home and working from the office. And the question here is how are organization using technology to actually help to bring people back into the office or on site? And what can be done to help strengthen human connection in a virtual environment? Mm -hmm. That's a great question and a big question too. So I'll be looking forward to, to hearing the panelists perspectives on this. You know, it's interesting, again, from a human behavior perspective and how much this will persist, is we've really adopted this touchless technology in a way that I think, as Steve mentioned before, was emergent. We were having the hoteling apps and being able to have sensors in the office to start tracking mobility and movement. Obviously, Amazon has been a leader in that within their warehouses and, and really embracing Internet of Things. And I think we're going to see much more of that in, in our offices, again, to make people feel safe. And I think there's going to be, as Samaya has mentioned, a really big trust factor here of making sure that people don't feel in or that it will be used against them in any sort of way. So I think we're going to continue to see the emergence of this touchless technology, this ability to use a QR code, to actually scan into the building as opposed to talking to someone or having, you know, an admin let you in. We're seeing that very much on the rise. Will that persist after people feel safe and the pandemic is, you know, well behind us in the rearview mirror? 
I'm not 100% sure yet. I, I think it probably will persist to some degree. So we're continuing to watch that. As I mentioned before, we're continuing to also look for the remote individuals. How do we make them feel comfortable? And how do we actually create this environment that even if people are in the office, it becomes more digitized? So one of the experiments that we're doing right now is using everyone, whether you're in the office or you know at home, actually coming together in platforms through in some cases VR, other cases just through the computer and webcam, through avatars, and trying to figure out if it's an onboarding experience, does it actually help normalize um, the experience so it's more shared, that everyone's having the same lobby, if you will, experience as they come in? So again, as a, a person sometimes who likes to put you know, humanity at the forefront, it makes me a little nervous that we're giving some of that up, but we're really curious to see the results of this to determine is using, again, meeting everyone together in a digital environment, being able to have those quote unquote water cooler chats through avatars, does it actually create a more successful onboarding experience for new, new hires? Now, so Maya, following up on what Kelly just said, how do you see our organization using technology to help bring people back into the office and in terms of strengthening the, the human connection in a virtual environment? Yes, sure. Um, Kelly, you made uh, fantastic points here, right? So how we can make it similar experience, especially as I mentioned, most of the organizations are going towards a hybrid mode, you know, so where people working, some of the people working from remote, some of the people working in the physical space. So we definitely need also a, a type of a culture where we can provide a similar experience to all the employees, you know, so Kelly give a very fantastic experience. And here, I think I would mention here, like apart from the technology, I think here is also important how the people and workforce just their behaviors especially leaders you know with this culture now that's a very important point because i've seen as i mentioned working with large firms we try to when is try to create such environment it's not easy and and uh, there are different reasons for that you know so and one of the biggest reasons is the behaviors are not easy to change when people are used to their own way of working before a new way of working uh, is not easy for them. So that's that's the important point. And I would uh, mention like here, one of the aspects here, whatever technology we choose, it sh we should uh, really focus on the human-centric experience. That's very important. You know, so what makes sense for the employees or the workforce and also to the organization in terms of their performance, that's very important. So I, I totally see like digitalization is a key factor and which will continually, uh, continually grow for most of the organizations, you know, and uh, we already mentioned a lot of technologies and, and I can see like a lot of organizations already putting them into their places, whether it's uh, touchless devices or use of the IoT sensors, you know, the use of analytics uh, to, to get a generate insights, taking better decisions, or in future we can see definitely more and more such technology will take place. And the, but the, the important point is how we can also entrust a culture is set up for the organizations where employees and workforce feel comfortable because that's an important point and uh, that's why again mentioned like the trust is a big challenge i've seen uh, for the leaders and the workforce there is a almost different war going around the empathy is uh, something which is very much important at this point of time uh, especially considering the pandemic and also the future how it, the, the work is changing and going towards you know, so those are very non-technical things, but it's very much integrated into technical. And if we don't take it together, it will be very difficult. You know, even implementing very latest technologies and high-end technologies will be actually be a failure for the organization if we don't take care of those parts. So that's what I can share. And Steve, do you, do you have something to share about that before I move into the next question about... Just that I think that, that 
COVID really brought people together in distributed ways that, that were surprising and emphasized some of the need for that personal interaction that's going to make its way back as people go back. And just the meetings, the, the, the way people meet and collaborate really stepped up, right? You now have virtual whiteboard capability, the ability to have kind of online meeting uh, chats going on during meetings. All of those kind of made a much richer meeting fabric where you can have meetings persist over time and just, you know, bring up the digital whiteboard where you left off. And I think if you look back to where we were before, it was scheduling meeting rooms, you know, having to erase everything and start from scratch every time you met, trying to get everyone in one room, finding finding the right conference room. All of those things kind of showed people a different way of doing business. And I think you'll see some more leveraging that as well as more meeting outside the workplace in other common spaces where people have discovered they can actually work more effectively. So those are my add-ons. Steve, during the simulation, you raised some interesting both trends analysis and scenarios related to the issue of training and learning. One of them, I think, was about the lifelong and endless cycle of learning and training again and again for reskills and skills to be gained. And my question for you is how will learning and development shift as people become more and more connected to information? Will workers who fail to take on this extra curricular lifelong learning activities fall behind? Are we going to see some adjustments being made by workplaces in order to allow the worker to gain more information? How do you see this process moving forward? Yeah, well, I think we're at a point of crisis here because the rate of change has now kind of broken the traditional both education and the way it works with the workforce. So that companies don't actually have enough resources to upskill people fast enough. And you can't simply onboard more people indefinitely, right? You just not without laying people off. And so they need people with new skills at a much higher rate than they ever did before. And so there is this idea of upskilling within an organization, but that's actually really hard to do. And I think that's one of the reasons we're seeing such a surge in the freelance economy because it more naturally invests in lifelong learning. And so I think we're going to start to see the, the education systems, and we already are seeing this, catch up to that with incentivized learning, much smaller packages of learning, free learning. You see Google and Amazon have both data science programs that are for free that you can go do in six months rather than in five years. And those kinds of efforts are really starting to get integrated into some of these labor platforms. ROIO, for instance, is an accounting firm that every time they assign a task to a freelancer, they actually don't assign the best person. They assign the person who who actually will have to stretch a little to, to do that work and then they support them to make sure it gets done well. But what the result of that is for their workforce, every task results in the, the workforce being upskilled. And I think we really have to start looking at that kind of a mindset to where everyone is learning all the time as part of their structured work. Um, and a huge part of this that's important for social stability is that we somehow pull everyone who's at the lowest skill level and pulls them up because automation really is taking low skill jobs at a much higher rate and we're generating those high skill jobs at a higher rate. So we've got this weird problem right now where we have lots of unemployment starting to grow at the low skill level and a bunch of un unfilled positions and uh, uh, 
shortage of workers at the high end. We have to make it a priority of, of not just upskilling smart people, but upskilling people who haven't had those advantages uh, to try to get them to a level that they can participate in the knowledge economy. And I don't think that's going to relent. The, the rate of change is going to keep increasing. And so we've got to find ways to structurally make that work. Kelly, what do you think about what Steve just said, thinking of the shift, I would say, over-connectivity or more connectivity of people, helping them to gain more information, helping them with learning and development? But the points that Steve made, he started with the crisis points. How do you see that? Yeah, I think what Steve said is both very human and profound, because that is something that I'm thinking about a lot right now is, a lot of this is absolutely a technology problem and skilling issue that we have, where it's funny when we talk to a lot of organizations, even knowing what skill sets they need in the future is still pretty fuzzy at times, maybe surprisingly so. So I think really identifying what are those skills you actually need to generate value. We still have very much an efficiency mindset. And so we're still using technologies in many of our organizations to drive efficiencies as opposed to figuring out how they actually can be used to create new value. And so I, I think absolutely we've got to figure out, as Steve mentioned too, doing that internally as you already have people who are wearing their badge of busyness and putting out fire drills day in and day out makes learning on the job very difficult, especially without those clear visibility into what skills they actually need and the clear pathways. So Maya would tell us of all the new HR platforms that are coming out that are actually making this uh, much easier for companies. But the second thing that Steve said that I really want to pick up on is part of this is a societal narrative. And one of the words I like to talk about a lot when we talk about the future of work is a sense of dignity. How do we make sure that people on those low skill jobs, especially those that we need, and we to think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, food, shelter, and clothing, people who are building our houses, who are paving our roads, who are you know, at grocery stores, stocking shelves, and farmers still who are providing food, how do we bring back a sense of dignity Maybe they're not going to be fully part of the knowledge economy and, and partake in it from a digital perspective, but how do we make sure that we value those jobs? That those are the jobs that keep our society humming, allows us as knowledge workers to go and participate um, in different types of work. So that is something that I think Steve said, I think we do have to watch out for, especially in terms of a crisis, is the social unrest this may cause. If we continue to see, which I'm seeing in the data, the digital divide, because again, the wages are going to those high skilled jobs and it's creating a, more and more of this elite group of workers and companies who are going to have a lot more control. Um, they're going to own the platforms, they're going to own the data, and it, it does cause me a lot of concern to figure out how do we rebalance this. We are at a critical time to do that and making sure that as a society that we value all sorts of people and all sorts of jobs. And just because we're working behind a technology doesn't necessarily make us more valuable as a human. And so I think those are, again, probably a bit more philosophical or than maybe we wanted to, to think about from a technology perspective, but that is very much top of mind with this conversation. And the last thing I'll say, as Steve says, is we can't leave anyone behind. We've got to go all the way down the value chain and, and lift up those low skilled workers to give them the option if they so choose to participate in, in higher skilled work as, as that where the future of work is certainly going. Now, Samaya, you heard Kelly, you heard Steve. What's your two cents on the topic? So, first of all, like both Kelly and Steve mentioned all the crucial part here. I will uh, mention what is broken, like which actually Steve mentioned, like uh, learning is broken to some extent, especially for the organization to manage 
especially the, the, the demand of how the learning is changing, right? So we have seen the fact. But actually, the thinking is that, like, if you see from the old uh, learning management system concept, how the learning used to do in the previous in the, in the past, and now the demand is a totally different. You know, so the previous learning mechanism for the organization doesn't work today. And um, the reason for this that like uh, learning is not a separate topic or asset for organizations, rather it's becoming an ecosystem. And that's what organizations need to dig into. And that's very important like today, uh, it's not about the learning, it's also about managing the skills in terms of recognizing or understand the skill demand, embracing the career development together uh, with that, and then provide an environment where the employees can learn continuously. Right. So, so these three skill management, career development and learning need to be incorporated together. Otherwise, it's very difficult for an employee and workforce uh, to really follow, especially the, the, how we are changing fast. Right. It's, uh, really follow like what is going to be done with their current skill and what new skill need to be done. Uh, what does it mean for their uh, career? Uh, how they can actually learn. And there's very few organizations actually in the world who can really provide such platforms or infrastructure or such an environment to the all the employees that's why it's very important uh, to create the ecosystem when we say ecosystem is not like organizations depend on their own learning uh, capabilities but rather expand it on towards like from the outside in approach and we have seen a very good example is the how linkedin has been started you know so last few years they started their talent solutions where we have all the LinkedIn data can be used and then they started also LinkedIn learning platform, you know, so their contents are using for most of the organizations and they, they are combining, integrating those LinkedIn learning and their talent together. You know, they provide a good solution. This is one example. There are many such vendors which are working today uh, and the learning ecosystem, I think the, the target market is over billion, you know, so which is growing very fast, whether it's use of new technology, but the, I think the target uh, here is mainly how they can form an ecosystem where organizations can part, you know, channel with each of them, and they provide an environment where workforce can happily and also safely learn in a continuous manner. Because one organization cannot sustain today what's the demand there is the learning, especially in the continuous learning environment. Thank you so much. So we're reaching our end of this uh, panel and I want to kind of have a closing remarks. And, and Steve, I know I would like to hear your closing remarks in, in a sense. What's your thoughts about the future of work and the new technologies that will emerge and are emerging to that will shape it? And how do you think that kind of dynamics will evolve over the next years? I think that the two biggest trends are this worker shift away from full-time employment because that's going to or affect organizations regardless of which kind of labor you use. It's, it's going to affect who you can get to. It's going to affect what the training models workers expect. It's the, the, the passion that, that they can pursue. And I think it's just a bigger trend than most organizations realize. Uh, we're so steeped in the full-time employment model that people don't seem to be ready for it. And, and their workers are moving out quickly on that much faster than anyone's really adjusting. I think the other parts, the digital work that's going on, just that that transformation is gonna create a lot of new capabilities and AI. One of the things about that is where those two intersect, uh, you're gonna start to see these platforms where digital trust is really becoming a thing. Kind of like I always tell people, remember the first time you heard about Uber, you, you probably said to yourself, there's no way I'm ever getting in a stranger's car. 
and now everyone gets into an Uber, right? And I think that kind of thing for freelance work is, oh, I would never hire a freelance to do X work. That's going to evaporate as trust mechanisms uh, are worked and digital trust is built. So I think there's some really interesting stuff there. I also think the hybrid between AI and people is really key. That This isn't going to be this sterile remote work kind of environment, but rather this cooperation of AI systems and people to actually bring a, a richer human experience, which is going to be really interesting to watch. And Kelly, what's your thoughts to conclude the topic of the uh, discussion we had today? Yeah, no, I appreciate this has been a, a great conversation. Thank you for, for having us. You know, I, I think as Steve mentioned, I, I do think there's a shift that's going to continue to happen as organizations and just as people in general that we give up more and more control to participate in the knowledge economy. So again, in order to actually access our customers or access people, as Steve has mentioned, we're going to have to become dependent on these platforms and give up data in order to do that. And I think that's a really big leadership shift that we have to think about. And the other thing is all these platforms and the ability of AI to help us have these richer human experiences does in part depend on us as, especially as employees and or freelancers or whatever that contract may eventually look like to opt in and give up some privacy and actually allow the system to have the rich insights in order to make us more intelligent. So I do think an important trend to continue to watch is how can companies make sure their people are opting in, giving the system data to need so that the whole collective can become smarter, I do think we're still not quite there yet. I think some companies are doing it very ethically and, and getting ahead of this and others are probably collecting a lot more data on people than maybe their employees realize. So I know Samaya has talked a lot about trust. I think that's going to be a key thing and just theme as we think about going into the future of work. How do we get our systems as intelligent as possible? And then on the flip side, how do we make sure that they're safe? You know, I read a book recently, Meltdown, and that opened my eyes to as we connect more and more of our systems, how do we make sure that there's some redundancies put in place, which is kind of an evil word in the business world, uh, because we need to have some safety guards as we become more dependent and connected through these platforms. So Maya, what's your thoughts as we conclude the discussion with you? Yes, I will add on uh, one of the Steve's point about um, how we can integrate AI, the AI functions with the human. And that's, I see definitely this is a future for sure, like when human and the machines collaborate together, uh, which is already happening to some extent, but this will be definitely coming more. And this is definitely going to leverage more human potentials, like, you know, like, human, like our human beings, uh, we all can more focus on the skills which are more important like today for the critical thinking, uh, uh, our complex solvings, uh, our creativity innovation, which is we are not doing because today we are stuck with those work which are very repetitive. And uh, this is actually uh, demonizing the productivity uh, of our work, right? So that will going to happen. So productivity is definitely the key for organizations. And this is we going to see more and more. And this will definitely going to influence, uh, which we also already discussed in our topic, is the reskilling and the upskilling of the people and a continuous learning environment because without learning, uh, there is no future for. So that's going to definitely the key point, I would add, apart from what Kelly and Steve said. Perfect. So at this point, I want to thank everybody who participated in this uh, panel. Thank you very much.